Good morning and welcome back, Smoke and Joe's Driving Range. Now in my best T-Box announcer's voice. Now on the tee, 11-time <laughs> PGA champion, U.S. Amateur champion, multiple Champions Tour winner, golf show analyst from Ohio State, Mr. John Cook. <laughs> yeah, play away, please, right? <laughs> there you go. How was that? Do, I, do you think I got a job in the future? You do everywhere but Augusta because they basically just say, John Cook now driving four, please. That's all they say, and then off you go. There you go. That's your (laughs) send-off. So uh, golf has been good to you over the years. Um, All those things I just said, is there one career highlight? Oh, gosh. uh, I've been blessed. I really have in in, in this game. And um, when people ask me that question, I kind of go on different levels. Um, because I can't just, I have so many great things that have happened to me in the game at certain times that kind of elevated me to different things. So, you know, like winning at junior world, uh, when I was 17 years old and then the California state amateur, you know, th- you know, things like that propelled me into being able to play in college and then, you know, winning the NCAAs, you know, the team championship with, uh, Ohio state, my teammates there. In Columbus, we won in 1979. So, you know, the reason that you go to college is to be part of a college program. Um, so we won, you know, the NCAAs uh, in 1979. First win, obviously, was always great. Um, as far as a professional win, um, I think because of my my relationship and, and ties with Byron Nelson, winning in Dallas and, and winning the Nelson in 1998, uh, you know, really was emotional for me. It was emotional for, for Mr. Nelson because he was still around and, and uh, you know, just seeing him as I walked off the 18th green and we didn't have to say anything to each other. We, we both knew what that meant. And, you know, that was a very, very special moment. So I, I've been very, very blessed uh, to have, you know, great people in my life and, and uh, have, have allowed me to enjoy, you know, this great game. Now, I also know your son was a pretty active golfer and believe you went on to play some college golf. At what age... Did he beat you, and how proud were you? Uh, there you go. And uh, he could probably tell you exactly the day, place, you know, everything. Um, I, I believe it was he was probably around 15. Uh, I was still active at that, that point in time, so I was still playing and um, you know, still enjoying playing the PGA Tour. So, um, But I do remember vividly as he, as he was going along and, and improving in his game. He played soccer as well, so... Um, you know, there was, you know, once he got out of soccer, you know, soccer season and into golf and got his golf muscles back, um, I, he'll, I think it was about 15 and, um, he won't ever let me forget it. And I was as proud as can be. And I promise you, I wasn't giving in. That's the one thing John Cook doesn't do. I'm not, I'm not going to give one away. And, uh, he went out and got it and it, uh, you know, he beats me on a pretty regular basis now. <laughs> now you're, now, you know, you're still playing, but you're with Golf Channel now, uh, and I've got to give you a high five. Since Monday, I have been tuned in, and your coverage has been fantastic. I love the fact that you guys do all the interviews live. I mean, I've seen so many great stories this week. I mean, Phil and Tiger right. teeing it up, and all these other things. Do you kind of get ribbed by some of the guys and say, "Oh, you're on Golf Channel now. You're on the Easy Street," yeah. or do you do you tell them, you guys bit. don't understand how hard it is? <laughs> well, I, I'd be lying if I said it was like super hard. It, it's it, it's it's not easy. I'm learning a lot. These guys, the the people in this business are such professionals uh, to work with. They, you know, they're they're 
they're ha- they're comfortable in front of the camera. You can throw them a curveball, and it doesn't even you don't even know. I'm in a panic if something is not going the way that it's supposed to be going. The, the pros really, I mean, they just kind of smooth it over and off they go. They're they're so professional. So I'm I'm learning so much about this business, and I'm really enjoying it. It was a way for me at 60 years old to stay in the game and, and, and still be a little bit relevant. Um, all the all the guys that I hang around with here, you know, here at the club, I'm watching Brian Gay hit golf balls right now. Just watch Grant Waite hit some golf balls and Charles Howell, then uh, some other kids that have been growing up. Just my son was just done, you know, just got done hitting some balls. So, yeah, they kind of rid me a little bit because the hours aren't that great. You know, getting up at you know three o'clock in the morning and being at the production meeting at 4:30 is not the way I want to spend my years in my 60s. But uh, you know what? Uh, it, it's really a lot of fun. And like I said, I I get to work with the the best, the absolute most professional people that I could possibly work with there at Golf Channel, and uh, I learn every day. They might learn a little bit about you know golf from me, but I'm learning a lot about what they do. And the Golf Channel is part of the footprint of the King Arnold Palmer. How was your experience with Arnold? You know, Arnold was great to me, um, and the, you know, to be to be quite honest, you know, Ken Venturi was my mentor. Uh, he took me on as a 14 year old and got me, you know, to where I was. And I, I would not be sitting here talking to you probably if Ken Venturi was not in my life. Uh, to be quite honest, uh, Arnold and Ken weren't the best of friends. They they were rivals, and um, but that never. You know, every time I would see Arnold or Mr. Palmer, as I called him, he told me to call him Arnold. I called him Mr. Palmer. Um, he was—he couldn't have been nicer. He—he uh, he wrote me notes when I won tournaments, um, and every time that I saw him here in town around Orlando, um, we—you know—he he shared great moments. Uh, his grandson Sam Saunders was at a rival high school to my son um, here in town, and uh, they were both very, very good you know, uh, high school teams with very wonderful players that all went on to play division one, you know, college golf. Uh, so whenever Trinity prep, uh, Sam school hooked up with Lake Highland prep, which was Jason, my son's school, uh, Mr. Palmer was there and we would just, we'd have a great, great walk and a great talk. So he couldn't have been kinder to me like he was to everybody that he ran across. So, uh, very, very special man, uh, very, you know, very much missed, uh, in our game and around the world just because he was such a great person. Golf Channel coverage over at the Masters has been unbelievable, but you guys also broke some of the most enormous news out of Augusta that I've ever heard, and that was their announcement of a women's amateur tournament next year. Yeah. What'd you, what do you think of that? Uh, I think it's awesome. I think, you know, this year they have uh, a U.S. Senior Women's Open at Chicago Golf, and then next year they're going to have the you know, like a, a, a women's amateur at Augusta. I think it, you know, it, the, you know, the game is growing and it's expanding, you know, at, at a nice pace right now, and you know, especially in the women's side. And um, you know, I, I talked with Judy Rankin last week on a uh, just on a little radio show that that I do, and and uh, and I had her on as a guest just because, you know, of the ANA inspiration and being at Mission Hills where I pretty much grew up when I lived in California. And we talked about the, uh, the growth in women's golf, and she is quite pleased with that. And now the announcement of, of these two great events and, and, and one at Augusta National, I think it, it, could, it couldn't be more exciting uh, right now to have 
you know, how many eyes we have on the game. Um, and I think it just grows the game in tremendous proportions, especially the, the women's game. I, I think it's uh, expanding to a, a, a wonderful level. Uh, the competition on all levels is getting bigger and better. And uh, I, I couldn't be more pleased to see the game growing like it is. Augusta, you played there many times with different results. Does Augusta, you know, everybody looks at it. I have had the fortune. I mean, you're not going to believe this, John. I went to the Augusta for my first time two years ago, and I had Berkman passes. That's my first time. Ah. I mean, I walk up, and Rice, and Condoleezza Rice is there to meet me at the very first gate. I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. Anyway, (laughs) but you go out there, and this golf course, this piece of property is a slice of heaven. But for a golfer, there's there's the old adage, does it beat your eye? Is that true with Augusta? Is it like, you know, some people said Lee Trevino had a hard time playing there because it didn't play to his game. Does How yeah. does Augusta fit your eye? Because I know you had some mixed results there. Yeah, I had I had mixed results, and, and, and that's a great way to put it because um, Ken Venturi and I talked about a lot about Augusta from the time I was 14 years old uh, till I actually got there. And, you know, through the years that uh, he was around, uh, we had – hundreds of chats about uh, Augusta National and the Masters and how important it was. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to win the U.S. Amateur in 1979 and uh, and got the uh, 1978 and play the Masters in 1979. So I got to play all my practice rounds with uh, Kenny and Tom Weisskopf and Ed Sneed that year. So, the you know, it was always instilled on me the importance of, the Masters, what it means um, you know, to the game of golf through through Ken Venturi. Um, I loved Augusta National. I loved it so much that usually I would practice my way straight out of form by Tuesday night, and by Wednesday I was spent. <laughs> I always felt like my game, you know, I, I hit it far enough, and I but I could maneuver the ball, you know, I could shape the ball correctly and use the slope and use you know, the, the shape of the shot against the slope. And I was a, a nice putter. I was a good putter from three to six feet, which is you have a putt like that on every single hole. Uh, so I felt my game really fit Augusta National. And like I said, I would practice and wear myself out by Tuesday night, and by Wednesday I was spent. So I just I would you know, just try to survive the next four days. And, you know, I, 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 made, I made some cuts, missed some. And I finished basically 20th to 40th every single year, and that's just about how I would play. We're on the phone with John Cook, Pro Tour champion and also analyst for Golf Channel. I want to ask you, as an analyst, to look into your crystal ball and tell us next Monday morning on the Golf Channel Morning Drive, who are you going to say is wearing the green jacket? <laughs> it's it's so interesting this year because there's, you know the top 15 players in the world are all healthy and they're all playing really well. They've all either won golf tournaments or they've been, you know, challenging in events, um, and they're all healthy for the first time. There's not one, not one player going into it that, you know, is complaining of a of something something wrong. Now, it's only Wednesday night, so you never know what can happen. <laughs> but um, it, so that's what's very interesting to me. Then you throw in Phil Mickelson. You throw him in with you know having won a golf tournament recently, finding his game again, being rele- you know relevant in the game, and then you throw Tiger Woods in. Now you've got top fifteen players all healthy and playing well with Phil and Tiger. Um, uh, it just it couldn't be a better situation. You know that being said, I you know, my my top four picks 
um, have been the same for, for the last month. And it's basically been Roy McElroy, Justin Rose, Dustin Johnson, and Tiger. I feel that uh, I, I think that the winner is going to come out of those four. Only once at the Masters has a rookie won the Masters. Then that was, I believe, that was fuzzy. Is he any PGA Tour rookies able to do it this year? Having a chance to knock on that magical door? Oh, I think you know. There's if the situation was different from what we just talked about, and and the top fifteen guys all on their game, along with Phil and 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 Tiger, you know, you might throw a, a Xander Shoffley in there. You might throw you know another young player that's you know going around there for their first uh, their first go around. Uh, Patrick Cantlay's technically not a rookie. He played there as an amateur. Um, but you start throwing, you know, say Patrick in there or Xander Shoffley, I think that, you know, those two um, are, are, you know, the faces of, of the, the next young generation, 22, 23, 24-year-olds. Um, so it, 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 I, I think I would be as surprised as anybody if, if a first-timer won this year just because everyone else is playing so well. They are playing well. John Cook, it has been a delight having you on the show. I hope that uh, your experience on the tee box with us was painless and you will uh, join <laughs> us again someday. Absolutely. Anytime you got my number, feel free to call. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. John Cook here on Spoken Joe's Driving Range. We'll be right back after these messages. 